Welcome to Unsilent with your hosts, Dave and Brian. This is not another current events podcast. We're digging deeper, diagnosing, and discussing what's really going on today, how we got here, and providing observations for future generations. Welcome to Unsilent. We're Brian and Dave. We're hoping you'll let us know where you think we got it right and where we've totally missed the point which you can do by visiting unsilentpodcast.com. Now let's get into it for the day. What should we talk about, Brian? Well, I think this week we should explain to the people in the future what it's like to go through this period of time where the emphasis has changed certainly over the last decade, but you know, in, in my adult lifetime, it's changed from focusing on a better me versus focusing on a better we. So for example, when I was growing up, there was no shortage of people who listened to self-improvement tapes. Uh, there's a guy named Tony Robbins. I don't know if he'll be known as a guy in, in the year 2090 <laughs> or not, but um, pretty big deal is, you know, early, you know, 20, 10 years ago, I uh, made a, made a lot of money, of course, but had a lot of influence and was helping people be better. And all through, you know, school. And then, or especially early on in my younger days in my, when my f- career first got going, like, if you wanted to get ahead in life, you had to you had to become a better person. You had to you had to learn right. skills that paid more. You had to you had to learn skills that that garnered you more uh, abilities and maybe more influence and things like that. And now right. there's definitely a shift where the focus feels to me as it's not so much on making a better me as it is making a better society. So I don't have to worry about all those things. Does that does that feel accurate to you, Dave? Oh, I'm I'm sure that's the case. I, I witness that every day. The the lack of of interest in self improvement now versus the focus on uh, any any issues I've got that in the past I've been looked at from a self improvement perspective are now whose fault is that? It's society's fault. It's not my fault. So it's a it's right. a ma- it's a mammoth shift. It's a huge shift. Yeah, and and for people listening again who might live in the year twenty eighty or twenty ninety who are wondering what we're talking about. Like as I was coming up, it was a very common thing for uh, parents, friends, parents, teachers, counselors, anyone who had authority over a child to basically say 95% of your problems are your own, are your own doing. <laughs> sure. Like if there's sure. a problem in your life, there's a 95% chance of something you're doing to causing it. And even if that's not true, there's a 95% chance you're making it worse. <laughs> right. And that well, was just kind today, of the predicate for all things learning. Yeah, and today, if you even ask that, or if you if you frame it that way, if you frame it to what are you going to do about this problem you've got? Well, you know, it, are you are you saying that I'm a? I mean, what are you saying about me? This is a broader societal issue. Uh, society's yeah. to blame. So, if you frame it that way today, in a lot of cases, and maybe in most cases, you're thought about very poorly. Right. And this is, I don't think I can understate the shift here. I don't think yeah. I can understate the the change in just how people who are, are driving uh, society, I guess, I, I we, you know, the younger people now call them influencers, the, right. the TikTok <laughs> people or whatever, they're, they're influencers. We didn't have influencers when I was growing up. We just had people in charge and people right. who knew more stuff than me, <laughs> which was everyone when I was young, right? But the idea that, that Somebody would have told a 14 or 19 year old Brian, Hey, yeah, it, there's these things happening, but listen, 
don't worry about you trying to get through it better. You need to put your energy in figuring out how to make society fix this. That would have been like a ludicrous idea. And I'm sure I'm like caricaturizing what is said now. It's probably not quite like that. But the statements very much were, yeah, so what? Yeah, so you got handed this crappy situation. So what are you going to do about it? Yeah, so um, life isn't fair. Like sometimes people, people have advantages. People are born into wealthy families. Some people are not. People are born with great um, physical skill or uh, athletic skill. Some people are not. Some people are great at chess. Some people are not. Like, so what? So my role, your role, Brian, young Brian, is to make the best of it. And now it's, we need to, we need to actively level the playing field so people don't have to feel that inadequacy. They don't have to feel poorly or shame for not taking care of things they can. And really all the emphasis put on how, how it's, (laughs) again, I'm going to caricaturize this. I don't mean to as much as it's going to sound probably, but how it's somebody else's fault and how we can fix them. Yeah, that's right. And I and I think what we have today, even if you look at the kinds of of organizations that people join today, like you look at look at college campuses uh and, and the types of organizations that exist on college campuses today. When I was growing up as as a young business person or even in college, a lot of people were joining Toastmasters to learn how to speak better and there were fraternal organ, uh, organizations uh you know they they still exist today but they're much smaller who they focused on higher ideals and higher values but now a lot of the a lot of the organizations that are attracting for instance youth attention are org- are grievance organizations are organizations that are essentially there to make you feel better about yourself by not accepting that you have a you're you're the captain of your own ship. Now, yes, so there's societal things just like you're saying. There's societal things that are happening, there's unfairnesses that are happening. It's there there are certainly things that happen that are are not are not right, you know, but we're not promised equity to use the term that we have today that's a, a very popular right. term. We're not po- promised equal outcomes, we're promised a a playing field in which equality in which we can go out and strive to be our best to achieve the best outcome that we can have regardless of other people, regardless of who's done better than me, regardless of who's richer or better looking or whatever else. So there's there's that there's less focus on self and more focus on uh, what's wrong with society that prevents me from being who I really deserve to be. Right. And my argument for supporting that is, you know, my own story, which is I not educated. I didn't go to school beyond high school. I didn't have any skills to speak of when I came out, <laughs> but I was willing to learn. I was willing to listen to people smarter than me. And they taught me a bunch of really cool things that helped me go on to become a business owner multiple times, uh, multiple businesses that were successful and, and get myself out of an economic um, uh, cast, I guess, or whatever into a much different place economically and just life happiness and fulfillment and purpose and all kinds of things. And it seems to me again, with my old school born in 1974 thinking that if we shift to fixing society somebody has to decide who gets to be successful and who does not is there right is there anything i'm missing with that that's kind of what it feels like to me is if the impetus is put on making society better somebody has to govern that somebody has to have their their thumb on the scale one way or the other and basically has to determine this person based on all these data inputs we're considering 
this person needs more advantage than that person. So an exterior fo- force gets to decide who gets to be successful and who doesn't. And that would have been soul crushing for me. <laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and I think if you think about it a little deeply, you think about it cynically, then then you have to ask, why is that? Why has that happened? Why has that occurred? And for our future friend, for Kenny G in the future, what should uh, what should he look out for to see when this same kinds of sh- same kind of shift that you're talking about between when we were young and today happens again so why does that happen and and how to watch out for that and what are the telltale signs and it seems to me that one of the sort of the cynical viewpoints on on that is that it's much easier to organize and fundraise and gain power with a bunch of disgruntled people than it is people that you've told you can you can make yourself better without me without my political party without my grievance group without my protest march without whatever it is that uh is is sort of the dominant news cycle thing that everybody should be mad about there was that there's a bumper sticker um some years ago and i it, it wasn't it was wasn't recently it's was probably 20 years ago it said something like if you're not outraged you're not paying attention you, you remember that <laughs> right you remember that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and so on one hand, it's like, okay, I, I get that you're upset. But my question is then what are you going to do about it as an individual to improve your little local community around you? If there are, if right. there are inequalities. And, and I, again, I would say if there are inequalities, I wouldn't use the term inequities because there's always going to be inequities. If there's yep. inequalities, then what can I do with the skill set that I have, the resources that I have, which are limited, to move it incrementally a little bit? It seems to me that that is how you're going to improve a society a lot more than than the outrage culture that currently dominates uh, our our whole society right now. Right. And I would argue that uh, just as you could have that bumper sticker, you could have one that says, if you're not feeling gratitude, you're not paying attention. Absolutely. Well, yeah, especially but in America. That wouldn't sell very often, probably. <laughs> oh, you'd probably get your car egged because it's like, yeah. Well, and that's isn't that really the danger of that attitude? Isn't that the danger? Yeah. If you look at look at anybody today, I, you actually look out my window here in the middle of Tacoma, Washington, in 2023, and there's. There's all manner of cars that go by. There's there's beat, beaters that are beat down, and and there, there's people walking that aren't aren't you know don't have the best things in life. But you know what? For the most part, pretty much everybody around me would be considered a a a magician and a king, or you know the amount of stuff and things we have and the abilities we have compared to uh, a couple of centuries ago. You know, yeah. cell phones, you're in, you're, you're, you're thousands of miles, you're 1500 miles or something like that. Away from miles, right yeah. And, and we're talking and there's no delays. If you were sitting right next to me, uh, we've yeah. got within, you know, within earshot or within, within, within a few miles from here, I can get any sort of coffee that's ever been produced on planet earth. You know, right. I mean, so uh, if, if you're not, yeah, and th- that, that attitude of gratitude you're talking about. If you're not grat- grateful in this era right now, one, we poison our lives because we're focusing only on the negative. And, you know, there's limited time. Focus on the negative, focus on the positive. It's your own choice. And, and number two, we poison the culture from actually helping people advance because that whole idea to me, 
that is it's society's problem means it's too big for me, which means it's hopeless. And hopeless people do not solve problems. Hopeless people do not overcome obstacles. It's only people with hope that overcome obstacles. And I'll start preaching if I'm not careful. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so if this movement that we're experiencing now continues, and this is not a not a pendulum so much, but a linear movement, and the way that you and I grew up in this this ideal, like, you know, I it, it became cliche, but it wasn't cliche for a while, and that was the thought that you as an individual can be anything you want to be, and people meant that meant that sincerely and genuinely yes. and earnestly. Yes. It became a cliche thing, like, oh, of course, anybody can become the president. Like, it, it kind of became a, a goofy thing. But when I was young, by and large, people meant that. And yep. by and large, it was true. Uh, yep. Again, there's there's no shortage. If you do any kind of research at all, if you go listen to any kind of motivational speaker, which is I know is a completely passe thing now, but um, <laughs> there's no shortage of stories who of people. Like, there's I remember hearing one when I was in my early 20s about a guy who sold cars. And he was illiterate. He couldn't read or write. And his whole thing was he would have people fill out the contract to buy the car back when you did everything in writing. They would he would say, hey, I just need your name. Could you put it here? And I need your your income. Can you put it here? And and meanwhile, they'd be filling out the entire contract. And all they had to do is sign the thing at the end. And they bought the car because he couldn't read or write. So they had to do it. So he was super creative. And there was was tons of stories like this of how people overcame adversity, like in just super impressive and inspiring ways. And it, and it felt like there was hope and it felt like I could um, be something. There was a reason to excel. There was a reason to go out and try and fail. And there was, how would you explain to Kenny G if this is a linear movement, what that was like for you to, to have that opportunity and how, how sad it would be from your perspective, having had that for people to no longer have it. Well, I mean, if, if, if you think about it from my perspective, um, because I, I wasn't born into wealth. My dad was born the year the Great Depression started. My mom was born yeah. two years before the Great Depression started. So, you know, uh, my, even though my mom went to college a little bit, she didn't finish college. Uh, my dad did maintenance work his entire life. Uh, I had a fine life. Didn't have any, any you know, didn't have any, any hardship that I was aware of. Now, today, people would say I had hardship, but I didn't have any hardship that I was aware of. But I always thought that whatever I wanted to accomplish, my parents instilled in me, whatever I wanted to accomplish, I could. So as a result of that, I have lived a better life. I have not that I'm 100% failure-free because I've got plenty of that in the past too. And, and that's, of course, the danger of living a, a, uh, a life that the self-help books talk tell you to, to live. And that is that you're going to fail along the way and that you're going to you know, uh, not be able to achieve everything the first go around probably, and that's okay. So the, the question would be like for me, if I had one time out and I experienced failure, then if I believed the dominant narrative of today, then I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have started again. I wouldn't have got up again. When I started a business that I had to close in a couple of years when I was 21, because I didn't know I shouldn't start a business. Why not? Let's go for it. Uh, I probably wouldn't have started again. I probably wouldn't have gotten up again. So, you know, the, the, the danger of the hopeless and the, you can't do it attitude is, well, you know, again, cliches, the self-help books have got lots of things that people call cliches, but I believe they're true. So if I say I can, or if I say I can't, I'm most likely right. Yeah. 
If I just if I determine that the that society is against me and that the obstacles are too great and that there is whatever the whatever's against me, whether it's because I'm old or bald or whatever it happens to be, or maybe maybe uh, other people might say their skin color or their gender yeah. or their nationality or whatever. If you determine that that is such a hindrance. And, you know, there, there can be hindrances there, but if, if sure. you determine that that's such a hindrance that you're not going to get up and try, then you have locked in failure You've lo- and, and you've locked in hopelessness. And that that's the thing that if hopelessness gets widespread in a society, that's when I think you see societal collapse. If people yeah, have I, a, I, an optimistic if, if view. I- if I understand correctly, and I and I may not, and of course, correct me if I'm getting this wrong, but I think that what people would say is that, yeah, but you're you're hopeless about what you can do. But think of the possibilities a society could do when everybody thinks like this and everybody's trying to make society better, and they're willing to sacrifice themselves and their own personal wishes and goals and hopes and dreams in 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 payment for essentially the the the, the greater societal good. Is that is that an accurate way of saying what they would come back with? I, I think that's I think that's halfway there. I think there's two things. I think one of them is that it's a lot easier to be hopeless and angry. So it it's a lot you know if if I challenge myself to grow, that's hard. You know, you've started a business. Yeah, you know, you've started multiple. I've started multiple businesses. That's hard. It's a challenge. It's some days yeah. you feel like you're totally alone. Um, so that's difficult. It's much easier to say that uh, I'm just not going to do it because society's against me. So, and human nature, you know, is the the path of least, re- least resistance, right? It's yeah. I it's think that's a key water. thing to, to really emphasize here is what you just said, which is our our innate nature is to take the path of least resistance. Exactly. To, exactly. To have the opportunity that Dave and I grew up believing we had takes an immense amount of of work to get going. Once you get going, like you're, you're going like it's, it's yeah. not, it's not like it's impossible every day. I, I couldn't have done it. If it was impossible every day, right. but it, it does take a lot of effort to get the momentum going because our, our natural place is to be, want to be taken care of and not have to do a whole lot of stuff. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, that, that's exactly right. And I think that's a, that that's why this, this uh, hopelessness and this society's to blame attitude is that's one of the re- two reasons I think it's so popular. The other one is because it makes us feel better about ourselves because, you know, I have not achieved, you know, I'm not a billionaire. I, you know, I don't have a private jet, uh, you know, wh- whatever people think of, su- of success, you know, uh, I, I don't have those things. Now, I'm, I feel, I'm, I feel blessed. I feel happy. I feel fortunate in my life. Uh, but I don't have those things that would classify me as a, a Forbes front page success. Now, I could say that that is society's fault, and I really should have those things. If life were fair, I really should have those things. And it's not my fault that I don't have those things. Well, in reality, if I would have have maybe have been smarter, maybe I maybe if I would have worked harder, maybe if I would have been willing to sacrifice more, maybe I could have achieved those things. Maybe I could have. I don't know. But I I don't need to. I'm not going to pawn off on the overall society just to feel better about myself. To think, you know, I'm as you know, say what you will about him. Elon Musk has done really really well. Okay, yeah. whatever you say about <laughs> Elon Musk or a lot of these guys, they've done they've done very well. Whether I agree with them or not and everything, that's that's a whole different story. But but 
say that I don't have what they have. Is that my fault or is that their fault or is that society's fault? I, if I feel bad about myself, I don't feel bad about myself that I don't have what Musk has. I don't feel bad about myself. So that's another thing. So it's, it's a way to help ourselves feel better about ourselves without demanding something from ourselves. And then the flip side of that is if you get a bunch of hopeless people and a bunch of people that aren't demanding much of themselves, then it's very easy for a fundraiser, a community organizer, a politician, a, a guru of some sort to get you all riled up and give you their, get everybody to give them a dollar. They get rich, they get famous, they get powerful. So there's, it, it's all of those, you know, it's, it's, it's the train wreck, right? The car wreck. Human beings have this, we get, we're drawn to tragedy and to disaster and to, you know, all those kinds of things. So there, there's an appeal there. It's a weird thing about human culture, yeah. but there is an appeal there. We get drawn to those things and, and, you know, cynical, maybe bad people will use those things for their own selfish benefit. So I think you pile all those things on top of one another and that's what you have. That's why we're here today. And it's unfortunate because it means that a lot of people are not living as fulfilled a life as they could. Yeah, I think one of the things that 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 says to me what you're talking about there is is it's almost as if, and I'm not sure if this is a byproduct, if this is a if this is a feature or a bug, I'm not sure. <laughs> but it's almost <laughs> like we we remove like the like becoming a billionaire is not a goal you should even have. So you shouldn't aim for that. Like not only can't you because the cards are stacked against you, but that's not even a that's not even a a a, a good goal or right. a good like having material wealth and things like that. That's that's not even something you should aim for because people way smarter, more righteous than me will decide who has contributed enough to society to earn that kind of thing. Uh, if if my number's called, then I, you know, otherwise I just need to go to work at the factory and do what I'm told. But right. it seems like it's just it's it's just as simple almost as removing that as being a, a goal that's looked upon as okay to have. Well, you're right. In fact, we, we not only say that it's not okay to have that as a goal, we say if they have that, the whoever it is, whether the billionaire or the millionaire or billionaire class, uh, whoever those people yeah. are, uh, we, won't talk, we, he, uh, we won't talk about that guy. Anyway, uh, yeah, the, yeah. The, the, the position of being one of those things automatically in many people's minds makes you a bad person because you couldn't have gotten there without exploiting or hurting some other person or people on mass, right? And so therefore, those people are not role models. When I grew up, you know, the, the people that were titans in industry and had, had achieved great things. And, you know, I think of like Lee Iacocca and there's, you know, everybody's flawed human beings, but you think these people have accomplished these wonderful, you know, business success and, and other, other successes in life. And they were looked at as, as role models. And man, if I could learn something about what he or she has done, maybe I could achieve some of that kind of success that they've done. Now it's like, look at the success that this person or that person has. The only way they could have gotten it is by doing evil things and stealing from other people. And so therefore, achievement has been- I think that's true. Like I look at like uh, Mark Zuckerberg, who I think is like the sixth or something richest person in the world. He's in the top 10, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I don't hear anybody talking about him being an evil person. Now, there's people who have heard his story and he supposedly like stole the idea. I'm not gonna get into all that. <laughs> I'm saying like the people who would say that Lee Iacocca was a bad guy, like the people who would say that Rockefeller was a bad guy. I don't hear them saying that, and and who that Elon Musk, Elon Musk is a bad guy. 
I don't hear them saying Zuckerberg's a bad guy. I don't hear him saying Oprah's a bad person. I don't hear him saying um, Obama's a bad person for having wealth. Why, why do you think that is? Is it just the tribalism that kicks in? Well, yeah, I do think it's the tribalism. And I think, I think as we've talked about in other episodes, that we excuse the people who have are in our ideological tribe from the same uh, kinds of, of scrutiny and same kinds of judgment that we put on the, on other tribes and other people. Uh, so I do think that's the case. So you'll hear most of the ire directed against people either that are non-committed, so therefore they're easy to attack because they're not a part of the left or the right, or the people that are part of the opposite tribe that are very successful. And as a result, they must have stolen it because they're bad people to begin with. But all, but there's right. also a whole, you know, you, there is this this uh, discussion in society of the millionaire and the billionaire class, the 1%, all of these kind, you know, and they're, they're as a general class, even if you take out, you know, one person who's a millionaire or a billionaire and say they're okay and this person isn't, even if you take that out, it, the, the, the classes there, those upper income classes are generally looked at as being, uh, as getting there through corrupt means. And, and the reason we do that is because there's such a gulf between, uh, not we as as in us, but we as in society. There's such a gulf between uh, our achievement and earning and their achievement and earning that we say, well, how do we explain this gulf? It can't be can't be because of me. It can't be because I didn't do everything possible. It can't be because I didn't you know get up a little bit earlier. It can't be because I didn't have that that driven attitude that a lot of these people have. I, I worked with you know. I've met a few, I've met a number of millionaires and a few billionaires, not, not many. Um, but in, in, in these people that I, that I've met that have achieved incredible success, uh, most of these people, if not all of them have sacrificed a great deal, have worked their tails off, have sometimes yeah. had to sacrifice pretty much personal lives. You know, there's, uh, yeah. Yeah, their, their kids don't know them. Their kids were raised by a nanny or whatever, or exactly. don't like them or whatever. So they've, 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 they've put in, they've paid the price for their success, but that doesn't make them an evil person, or that doesn't mean that success as a category makes people or, or is evil. So there, that's one of the, the big shifts that I see between when we were young and today. And that was, there were a lot of people in that, upper end class or upper income class and success in business and such that were, what can I do to achieve that, to get close to that versus now I don't want to get close to that because one, it takes personal sacrifice on my part. And two, they must be evil because they're different than me. Yeah. I think, I think that this is a spot where two things can be true at once. I, it was an episode or two ago, you and I were talking about, you know, when corporations get too much power, how that really does become a bad thing. And they do sure, really begin sure. to abuse people and things like that. You bet. And so I, I whole, I, I'm kind of of the mind that we should support personal growth and development right up until the moment where they have a monopoly over things and they begin abusing people. And then I want them to sure. come crashing down. Right. <laughs> and I don't know what the, what the number is for that. If it's 7.2 billion, if it's 1.3 billion or 112 billion, I don't know when that happens, but, Somewhere around there, they get yeah. enough influence and they get they get corporate um, power that is different yeah. from personal achievement. Yes. And, yeah. And whenever that bridge is crossed, I'm now rooting against them and, instead of for them. But it feels right. to me like we focus on 
the people who have crossed that bridge into attaining this corporate power, those billionaires and millionaires, we use those people as the avatar for all the ones who have not done that yet. Sure. And who are still just have amassed substantial wealth, whether it be millions, tens or hundreds of millions of dollars, but don't have that kind of corporate power that really abuses people. They've just done really well. And it seems like we use the, 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 uh, the Borg ish kind of avatar to represent all those when really the, the people, the, the billionaires who have kind of crossed that bridge, maybe number 1500, 2000 in the, in the world, maybe, I don't, I don't know. I don't know the number, but there's probably tens of thousands of people who have made a hundred million dollars and who haven't done that corruptive kind of, um, cruel, abusive kind of thing. We, we, they get lumped in for whatever reason. How do you, how do you reconcile that? Well, so one, they get lumped in because of envy, because the, the, I don't think most people, and probably myself included, understands the life of a billionaire. I mean, you know, like I've, I, I have, I, I'd give it a shot for six months. Well, sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if there's, if, if there's a, if there's a chance to try it for a little bit, I'll give it a shot. But I, I don't think most people understand it well enough to know whether they are doing good or whether they're doing bad. I think, but the reason that there is this level of societal blame is because of envy and because of, you know, maybe laziness. I don't, I, you know, I could, I could achieve more with my life, but no, I can't because of the, because society's unfair and, and Elon yeah. Musk is stealing all my money. Elon well, Musk is holding me down. Yeah. Elon Musk <laughs> is holding me down. But, but, and also I want to also get back to what you just said a minute ago. When, when did that, when does that kind of, um, what does it cross over between personal achievement and, uh, and, and corruption? And it seems to me there's two basic places that happens. It's one when it stops being you're competing on an even playing field in a fair way with other people. You're using government bureaucracy and unfair advantage that you have not gained by just providing a better product and people are buying that better yep. product. So you're using, you know, you're using, um, uh, government connections to shut out your competition. Okay. You've started, you start to lose my, my respect at that point. You start to yep. lose my respect. And, and on the, on the flip side of that, when you are, uh, you, you can also achieve, it doesn't happen all that often, but if you achieve a natural monopoly and you've got 80% of the market and you've done it, you know, legitimately, but you use that natural monopoly to, uh, buy up and destroy your competitors, then at that point, I think you've crossed the line as well. And and there is a legitimate, you know, we talked about this before, uh, there is a legitimate role of society and government to say, no, nah, you, you are really too big. We don't begrudge you the fact that you made a lot of money, but now you're crossing into the place where you're hurt, hurting other people because of that. So, you know, I, so I think those yeah, two I, things I are think, true. Yeah, I think what, what I'm hearing you say, and I, and I, I guess the way I would, having not really thought this through. So forgive me for having a, an in, incomplete thought here, but it seems to me like people who could become wealthy by serving their clients. I'm all for like, they're yes. providing a better product, a better price, yes. better service. And they, and they get what they get by making other people's lives better. Yes. And when that shifts to now it's time to make my life better and I'm willing to do whatever it takes to do that, whether it be the corruption, buying up, competitors so the customer has the clients have or customers have less options yes. and they're just stuck with my thing if i could read minds i would say when it becomes about serving themselves i don't support them when it's about serving the client even though they get wealthy yes. in the process i'm all for it yes i would have to think through how it's evidence i'm sure the two things you mentioned are 100 accurate 
if I could, if I, you know, I, it'd be nice for me to, if I could figure out the other ways that that would be evidence that could be like proven beyond a reasonable doubt. And I, that's probably not a, a reasonable thing to, to hope for. So, so Dave, we, you, you mentioned what you would be, what you would, the people, if, if this is a linear movement and the people 80, 60 years from now have less freedom than we have now, which I don't really see how that trend would change. Like the income tax was, I think came about in the 1870s or something like that. 1880s, somewhere in there. We didn't have an income tax before that. If you just look at the things that we have to have licenses for now that we didn't have to have 120 years ago, fishing licenses, drivers, you know, this, <laughs> right. like you can't collect rainwater off your roof now. That's now not <laughs> deemed your property. If it lands right. on, it, it, it is like, okay, so forget this little 15 year era me and you were talking about. If you just look at a, 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 you know, go back to 1800 and look at like, forget the technology piece, but just look at the freedoms we had then versus the freedoms we have. It's substantially fewer. Sure. That trend I don't think would be changing a whole lot. So we talked about the things that you and I would would be sad for us that the people living six years from now would not have that we have, which is mostly opportunity and the ability to to dream big and fail on our own merits. Right. Right. And even though there's things holding us back, I don't have great athletic ability. I'm not a gifted speaker. I, I, a lot of things you mentioned, I'm certainly not gifted at. But I was able to do what I think is pretty well given my, given the, that. And you and I literally were just joking about, you know, billionaires and laughing. Oh, I'd be a billionaire for a day, but it's not. It's not a. It's not an envy thing. It's a no, no. Yeah, that'd be kind of cool. But you know what? I'm I'm just as grateful with what I have because that's okay. Uh, so we we talked about like what it would be. It's sad for those people not to have. Now let's flip it and say they have this again. They have what you and I have again. What would you tell them to look out for that would that would be indications the rug could be yanked at any moment? <laughs> well, so certainly, uh, uh, this goes back to a previous episode too. The concentration of of vast power in a very small pocket of force based institutions. By force based institutions, I mean you know. Uh, either regulatory institutions, et cetera, because th those are the ones the 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 corruption of of multi multi billionaires, for instance, couldn't a lot of that couldn't exist unless there was government force behind it. So I would be watching for that. <clears throat> I would be watching for the the corruption that happens when that happens when you, when you have uh, and and government at the end of the day, government is just a gun. It's it's a person with a gun. There, it's government's nothing more than that. If if I decide right. that I don't want to hire Brian, I don't hire Brian. Nobody comes at me with a gun. If I decide I don't want to engage in the most recent thing that X Y Z agency comes out with at the federal level or at the state level, then somebody with a gun ultimately, you know, goes two or three <laughs> yeah. times down the road. I get letters first and yeah. other things like that. Yeah, Maybe yeah. lawyers got every nice letter, then then a warning, and then a gun. <laughs> And then somebody shows up with a gun. So, so government is forced, yeah. and and so you know when when you are when you are when we we when the society reaches the point that uh, that these things are enforced at the point of a gun, or I will say it this way too. <clears throat> Another way to say it is when when companies are essentially controlled by central authority, AKA you can't say this, tell all the companies from the central authority, you can't say this thing because we don't approve. 
again, it's basically force. Uh, at, at that point, you've reached a, a, a society that no longer gives an individual the opportunity to achieve what you and I have achieved in, in whatever modest growth we've had in our lives. So I think that's, yeah. a, that's a huge part of it. I think a huge part of it is the freedom to go out, to try and fail, and to try again, and to try again, and to try again. What I've done my entire life from the time I started selling seeds and you know picking up cans from all the drunk people on Sunday uh, and recycling them when I was a kid, you know, all the kinds of things yeah. that, that I did to make money. When it becomes an yeah, illusion, I, I would say that uh, when, when – what was that? It becomes well. It becomes an illegitimate exercise when you can no longer do these kinds of things. When you are forced to no. uh, to endure yeah. that, I would I would say also um, the the point in which we stop recognizing. So, for, like, just take me again. I'm not I'm not gifted. No college. I've done reasonably well in life. The number of people who started out with worse circumstances than me and have vastly greater circumstances than me is in the tens or hundreds of thousands. Sure. Yeah. And they, and they have, they have um, what others might consider limitations that I don't, again, you mentioned like race and gender and physical disability and things like that. I, that and there's people who don't have those things that, that yeah. other folks would consider uh, liabilities, not assets. Right. I, right. I, I don't believe that, but I, there's plenty of people out there who do that. And, and whether or not they have those things or not, the number of people who started out worse than me in life and have done far better than me is off the charts. There's tens or hundreds of thousands of those people. The difference is how much work we put in, how much dedication, how much, how much focus. It's that we, the things, right? Right. We stopped realizing that is kind of when it feels like it shifted for me. Like it, it was, it became like, we weren't even allowed to say that that what I just said is true because well, yeah. that's, that's, it can't be true because you're a straight white dude and therefore you have all this stuff handed to you. And I'm like, well, wait a second. What about the people who started with worse than me and are doing much better than me? What about those right. folks who right. again number in the tens or hundreds of thousands? When that conversation's not allowed anymore, that tells me like something's wrong. Absolutely. Because that's a that's a plainly obvious statement. Well, it, <laughs> the last it, thing I want to I want to ask you, this is kind of something I want to throw at you. This is something I've been kind of tossing around. You know, when I grew up watching TV, I would watch westerns a lot. Like my, one of my favorite movies is Unforgiven, the Clint Eastwood movie. Oh yeah, Outlaw uh, Dorothy Wales, John Wayne. Like that was my. I loved. I still love. I still love westerns. But when I was a kid, I really liked westerns. And a common theme, whether it was a TV show, like you mentioned, Gunsmoke, before we got on the on the yeah. air here today, and and the Rifleman and things like that. A common theme was the lessons being taught. And I'll, I won't step on your point because I know you're going to talk about that. But but there was there was oftentimes a scene where the sheriff was holding a, a, a person who was accused of a crime in the jail cell. And it's a dark night and there's nobody there, but the prisoner and the sheriff. And then the posse rolls up and there's like, you know, 15 or 20 guys and they're hooping and hollering and shooting their guns off and they're drunk and whatever. And they're, they're we're coming in there after him, whether you like it or not. And he stands on the porch of the jail and says, if you're coming in, you're going through me first. And Oh, by the way, Johnny, you're dying first, that kind of thing. And he would stand up to the crowd. And the yeah. and the moral was, even when it's uncomfortable, even when you don't, you got to do what's right. Right. And doing what's right is protecting a person to go through, in this case, due process, even though they're probably guilty. They probably did steal the horse. He deserves his day in court. He deserves his fair trial, whatever, whatever. Right. I remember growing up thinking, I hope when I'm old enough, I have the courage to do that. 
Right. And now it seems to me as a, as a, you know, 49 year old guy watching how decisions are being made and what is, what makes a person in with society versus out. So that would make a person in this society when I was younger. Like if you had the courage to stand up to the crowd, that was, that was good. You were right. You know, you were seen as moral and whatever. It feels to me like now a five-year-old kid or a 10, maybe 12 year old kid would watch that and say, I hope I would have the ability to, to overlook that guy pleading for his life and join the posse. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> am I, am I lost my mind or does that kind of feel like it, it's the way it is to you too? It, am I really exaggerating that? Or does that feel like how it is? Oh no, not at all. I remember all those old shows that we were talking about the Bonanza and the Rifleman, and, you know, and I yeah. love the Rifleman show. Cause at the, at the end of every one of them, the son's like, but dad, this this person did this. Shouldn't we? Pa, not dad. Pa, what kind of are you? That's Come right. on, Pa. That's right. It was Pa. It was Pa. Yeah, Chuck Connors, the rifleman. What a great show. Chuck Connors, that's right. And it, it, at the end of the show, it's like, you know, son, even though we might feel like doing this, even though we need to overcome our own personal desires in this and do the right thing. Now, we're at 180 degrees now because it's like now this person – uh, it looks wrong. Maybe they're part of the wrong class. They're they're a part of the wrong group. And even though they've not done anything wrong, they're still guilty. So we have to overcome the fact that we know they're not guilty because of their own personal actions, but they're guilty because of their ancestors, because of their skin color, because of their gender, because of their affiliate, uh, whatever it is. And and so now we're we're 180 degrees opposite. Now the 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 moral thing to do is to let's burn down this neighborhood because society's unfair. So it's yeah it's, we're attacking society at the expense of personal morality, personal responsibility, 180 degrees opposite of the way all our old favorite shows used to behave. Right. So, so we have to, instead of having to overcome our own fear and our own fear of death and fear of being displaced from society, whatever, to stand up to this mob. And the, and the guy leading the posse was the guy who was the land baron who had the hundred right. acres or whatever. So you were standing up to big power to do the right thing by this person and now it's like, well, we have to overlook the, we have to over, we have to overcome our compassion for these people who will be hurt by doing this thing to join the mob. And right. that's the part that for me really stands out. Like we have to, we have to overlook how horrible this is going to be for the neighbor, the, the person who owns the house or business that gets burned down. That's just the way it is because the greater, the, the posse needs to burn the thing down to, to do their thing. And we have to stop feeling compassion for that person to join the mob, which feels like going back to 1943 Mississippi to me. Like Absolutely. It, it, Absolutely. Just, it feels like we've completely regressed and like all the lessons that were seemingly taught and or learned through the fifties the and sixties and seventies. Like it seems like all that stuff's been erased in the last 15 years. It, it, does it feel that way for you too? Absolutely. I mean, you know, we, I, when I was growing up and the, the society, uh, tried to restrain itself from, for instance, taking revenge. Now, revenge is a great societal value if you're getting your revenge against the people whose ancestors hurt you. 
hurt, hurt right. your ancestors. So, you know, or, or hurt some people who, you know,'s ancestors, maybe, or whose <laughs> maybe ancestors not, look or like distant cousins too, or something. Exactly. <laughs> they look like, and that's close enough. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so we, we've changed, we've traded noble emotions to a great extent for more base emotions. We've traded uh, self-sacrifice and we've traded, um, We've traded compassion. We've traded for envy. And they only have what they have because they robbed me from it. I should have that. I'm going to get it by force. We've traded compassion and forgiveness for uh, revenge and for anger. So, and in a society, you know, again, talking to the future, talking to Kenny G, when a society begins to trade in the noble emotions of, of compassion and forgiveness and, and understanding and, and self-sacrifice, when we, we start trading those things in and we stop, start adopting uh, endurance and all of that, then we're at a point where we have a real problem. And that's where yeah. we're at right now. Yeah, I agree. All right, just for those of you listening, if you're wondering who Kenny G is, Kenny G is Kenny in in Generation Gamma, which is as we look through the the the, the upcoming generation names, Gamma is in a few. He'll be born in around the year 2040, if 2040, I remember. Right. Yeah, yeah, um, somewhere in there. So that's why we keep referring to Kenny G. He's Kenny in the in Generation Gamma, and Kenny G sounded as good a name to call him as anything else. <laughs> um, <laughs> So uh, that's going to be it for this week. Uh, don't forget, if you think we completely missed the point here and how we're explaining this current moment, for example, the, 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 the rifleman example we gave, if you think we're completely missing the boat there, we'd love for you to explain to Kenny G your perspective, where you think we're getting it wrong. Tell him what, tell him what you think we got right or what you think we got wrong. You go to unsilentpodcast.com, jump onto our, our Rumble channel, and you can comment on the videos there as well. Go to unsilentpodcast.com and it'll show you where to find all these things so you can put your two cents in and make sure Kenny G understands your perspective. And again, where Dave and I got it right and where we got it wrong. And uh, with that, that's it for this week. And we will see you all next week. Next week. Do you want to be unsilent? Make your voice heard on our social media channels and share where you think we got it right or wrong. Go to unsilentpodcast.com for social links so you can join the discussion. 